Welcome to Living Love, the radio broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Benton, Illinois. Our desire is to live love to God, to others, and the nations. We hope this week's broadcast will bless and encourage you. Now, let's dive into God's Word and see how we can live love today. Hey, if you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Last week, we looked at a series of difficult circumstances and situations that were, that were hampering two individuals. One of Jairus as he was desperately seeking Jesus to help him with his daughter who was at the precipice of death. Another of a woman who had for 12 years been plagued with an illness of bleeding to where she had not only um, found herself in a, in a state of uncleanness, but also ostracized from her community. Yet in the midst of those situations, they were faithful. They believed. They trusted. They sought out the one who could fix the situation. And they trusted that he would fix the situation the way he would deem fit. And we talked about that last week. And I think that even on some level struck a chord with a number of individuals to where God is not calling us to be faithful when things go our way, but just to be faithful. But this morning, we kind of take a, a, a very difficult turn. We look at uh, Jesus as he is on the move in the book of Mark. He is moving from place to place, engaging people with the truth of who he is and really with the mission that God had sent him on, which we know is to seek and to save lost people and he finds himself not in a strange place, but a very familiar place. A familiar place where things don't necessarily go the way we would think they would go. This morning, I want us to look at this question. What can ministry in challenging places look like? What can it look like in those challenging places when we find ourselves doing ministry? We could call it hard ministry, but then again, I found that ministry usually is hard. Because God calls us to do God kind of things. When we find ourselves in challenging places, what can it look like? So let me, a little bit different than usual, I'm going to read the entire passage, then let's unpack it just a little bit this morning. Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1. Mark 6, Mark 6 verse 1 says this, And he went away from there and came up to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. Jesus is where? Jesus is in his hometown. There's nothing more familiar. Let me ask you, who here this morning, you are living in your hometown? I've been here for three plus months. Class participation. Who is like, this is your place. This is where you have lived. This is what you have been most familiar with. You would call this your hometown. It's a lot of people. Jesus is in his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hand? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Not they rejoiced with him. Not they celebrated with him. Not, hey, we remember when he was just walking on water in the backyard. I'm just kidding. Jesus didn't do that. 
I just want to see if some of you are awake. No, they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he had laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. What does it look like when we find ourselves doing ministry in challenging places? Well, first, I think one thing that we can sometimes find when we're doing ministry in challenging places is that you might find yourself in the most familiar of places, but those, mo but those most familiar places could also prove to be most difficult. Your most familiar of places could be your most difficult of places. So when we talk about doing ministry in hard locations, we're not just thinking of a hard location conjured up in our mind. Sometimes that hard location is a familiar location. In verse number one, as he went away from, the, from there, he came to his home town. He came to Nazareth. And in his hometown, he went to a the synagogue that he would have been familiar with, and he began to teach there. See, church, we can't just tie difficult ministry, hard ministry, to a conjured up difficult location. Sometimes the most difficult place that we could ever be called to do ministry in is possibly the most familiar and here in just a couple weeks and over the next couple months, we will find ourselves in the most familiar of places. Also known as WWE Thanksgiving Supper. <laughs> Sometimes those familiar dinners, those familiar gatherings can prove to be the most difficult, the most challenging. I know I've shared with you before, but back when Brandy and I were first getting started in ministry and we were uh, taking students out to go and talk to their friends about Jesus, we, we had two options. We could either go to their friends and share with them the gospel, or we could go to strangers and share with them the gospel. And you know which one they picked? They'd rather go talk to strangers. Because they knew if they were on Brandy's team or if they were on my team, the doors that we were going to knock on were the doors that we were going to tell people about Jesus, regardless of whether they were strangers or whether they were familiar friends. Now, many of the adults there would go talk to, and this is just a kind of a ding on adults sometimes, they'd go talk to their friends, but they wouldn't tell them about Jesus. They would just sit around and have a nice little conversation. Our students knew that if we went to a door, they were gonna to have to tell them about Jesus and they would rather tell a stranger about Jesus than their friends until they started to see life change coming to their strangers' lives. Then they said, man, we gotta let our friends know this too. See, sometimes when it comes to ministry, when it comes to gospel conversations, it's easier to be in unfamiliar places than to be in familiar places because those people know you best. And you know them best. And this truth for Jesus 2,000 years ago is a truth that sometimes remains the same today. Home ain't always easy. Ministry at home isn't always easy. 
And when we find ourselves doing ministry in familiar places and they find themselves also to be difficult places, we have to be very intentional within those conversations. Not just intentional in what we're saying, but also intentional in how we say it. Because there's a, there's a history there. What does it look like when we find ourselves doing ministry in challenging places? Well, sometimes it can look to be the most familiar, yet most difficult. But not only is it a familiar place, when we find ourselves in that familiar place, we find ourselves surrounded by individuals who know our past and sometimes bring up our past. They know where the closets are that have the skeletons in them. They, they were with us when we buried the bodies. That's just metaphorically speaking. I don't know where any bodies are buried, I don't think. There are a lot of fields in Illinois, though. In verse number two, as Jesus is speaking on the Sabbath, many people, as they listened to him, they were what? They were amazed. They were astonished. They were blown away by the things that he was saying, but that, but that did not change what they knew and thought about him. Because as they were astonished, they began to ask themselves and out loud a series of questions. Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? And then they default to his family. Is this not the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon? Are not these his sisters? And instead of getting on board, instead of jumping on the ship, no, what did they do? They took great offense at what he was saying. And what they're doing here is that they're, they're saying to him, who are you to talk like this to us? Because we know who you are. Now, unlike us, Jesus didn't have a dark past. But that very well could have factored into the way that they received him and the reason that they received him the way that he, they did. See, I believe that Jesus for his entire life was without sin. Does it mean that I don't that things that Jesus never got a spanking? No, there were probably a couple of times that his mother misunderstood what happened, kind of like all the spankings I got. <laughs> My parents just didn't understand. I'm just kidding. I got a spanking a day, whether I needed it or not. And that's because more than likely I got away with something that I'd gotten away with. My parents just knew I probably needed a couple licks. But Jesus never merited any discipline. He wouldn't have because he was not just a man. He was the son of God. A hundred percent man, but a hundred percent God without sin. And I can only imagine how that factored in to people listening to him. But notice that they don't just tie Jesus to his actions. They tie Jesus to his family. Is this not the mother, the, the son of Mary? Are his brothers not James, Joseph, Judas, Simon? Are, are these not his sisters that are here with him? He then goes on to say in verse number four, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. Just because people know you doesn't mean it's going to be easy when you start talking to them about Jesus. Jesus. 
In fact, it might make it doubly hard. Now, by a show of hands, we won't make everybody show hands, but would anybody be willing to raise a hand and say, before you were a follower of Jesus, you wouldn't exactly put yourself in a, uh, a very good category? Maybe you'd put yourself in a seedy category. Maybe you did some things that people out there know about that you'd just rather they not know or not remember. Absolutely. And life change came into your life. You were radically taken from being a follower of the evil one to be a follower of the one true God. You were transformed. You're not the same person. And do, can you recall back to when that life change took place? So where you went from going a seedy individual to being a spiritual follower of God to where people didn't just hear your words, but they saw something different on the outside. They knew that something had changed, but that didn't mean that they were ready to jump on board. In fact, they went the other direction. Does anybody remember when they gave their life to Christ that you lost friends instead of retaining those friends. They struggled with what you had done. They, they had a difficult time with the life change. And maybe it's not that they had a difficult with the life change because they saw the change. They had a difficult time forgetting where you'd come from. They were having a hard time setting aside the things that they knew you had done. They remembered. Now, this wouldn't have been the case with Jesus, but this is the case with many of us. That when we find ourselves doing ministry in a hard location that is familiar but difficult, it's people bringing up our past that sometimes makes things hard. And I just want to tell you this, because I believe there are people here this morning that need to hear this word. Jesus will not know you for your past. Jesus will know you for the decision that you have made whether to follow him or whether to not. And that will impact your future. Now, if you choose not to follow after Jesus, you will be judged based on your acts. You will be based, judged on your works. And know this here this morning, that there is no amount of good that you can do on your own to justify a holy God. But you could have been the most vilest of characters. You could have done the most horrible of things. And if you place your faith and trust in Jesus, he will not let you in because of your past. No, he will let you into heaven in spite of your past. Because he is a holy, gracious God. So even though people might have a hard time forgetting your past, know this, Jesus sets aside your past and welcomes you into heaven anyway. And there is hope to be found in that. See, because people will find themselves astonished with your words yet they might still take great offense. Don't let that discourage you. 
When we find ourselves doing ministry in challenging places, sometimes it could look like the most familiar of places, but the most difficult of places. Sometimes it will look like an environment in which people are bringing up your past instead of thinking about the life change that's taken place in your present and for your future. But lastly, know this. When we do ministry in challenging places, sometimes it can look like a lot of hard work with not a lot of good results. You might find yourself in a season of ministry to where you don't always see fruit. But know this, it's not necessarily, now it could be, but it's not necessarily because of you that the fruit doesn't exist. As Jesus began to speak, as he was encountering people from his own town, look at verse number five. It says, and he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. Now, I don't know about you, but I put Jesus in the category of greatest teacher, preacher, everything of all time. Everybody okay with that? We okay not just putting him um, on the top shelf, but let's put him on his own bookshelf. We, we, we okay there? J Jesus is the best. Jesus had to be the, the most wonderful communicator. Jesus had the ability to, to capture an audience with his, not just his words, but his ability to, to, to interact with them and to, to make sense to those that he was around. His, his metaphors were always the best. He always examined the landscape and, 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 and brought in the, the best of examples. And not just that, when someone came up to him and couldn't see, he could also make it where they could see. Not just that, when someone was brought to him laying on a mat, he could tell them to get up and they could get up. Not just that, when someone was dead, he could talk to them and they weren't dead anymore. So that puts him in a pretty good category. I have yet to be on staff with someone like that. I mean, I've been on staff with some pretty cool people, but no one like Jesus. Jesus was the best. But notice here, what kind of fruit did Jesus produce when he was in his hometown? Not very much. See, he was still the same Jesus. When he was in Nazareth, it's not like he set aside being God because he had to be 100% man at that time. No, when he was at home, he was 100% man, but still 100% God. Yet he could do no mighty work there. Because it's important to understand when we do ministry in challenging places, you won't always see fruit. Because faith is a two-way street. When God sent his son to earth to live a sinless life and to eventually be put on the cross and to suffer a horrific death and to be placed in the grave, but three days later to conquer the grave, God isn't forcing that on anybody. The invitation is there, but what do after people do during an invitation? They have to respond. 
See, church, when we find ourselves here in just a few moments responding to God, God's not going to make you respond to him, but he wants you to respond to him. He wants you to act. He wants you to take a step. He wants you to fall on, his, on your face before a holy God, but he's not going to make you do that. He's going to draw you to him, but he's not going to force you on your face. Jesus was the same Jesus. He was doing the same things. He was saying the same words, yet he could not do mighty works there because people did not exercise faith. In fact, this is Jesus' response. It says in verse number six that he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled at the lack of faith that they had. And I believe what Jesus experienced is that people had a difficult time looking past who they had seen grow up. And they refused to open their ears and their eyes to the words of the Son of God. And you will encounter people like that. You will encounter people who do not want to open their ears to God and who do not want to open their eyes to God. And while we should always ask ourselves, God, am I, am I serving you the way you've called me to serve me? Am I saying the words that you have called me to say? Am I living the life that you have called me to live? You should always begin with those questions, but you should also understand this. You could tell someone day after day after day about the good things of Jesus, but at the end of the day, it's them that has to accept Christ. God isn't gonna make them. And you might find yourself doing ministry in a difficult location and that be one of the outcomes is that people just don't respond. So here's some things I want us to walk away with this morning. First is this. Difficult can happen to anyone. Difficult can happen to anyone. Difficult ministry, a difficult location can happen to anyone. No one's exempt from that. Jesus wasn't exempt from that. I appreciate the location of this story in the book of Mark as Jesus is coming off what I would consider two of the most spectacular stories that we could have ever read. Back to back, Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead. This woman with an issue of blood, 12 years suffering, she was effectively raised from the dead because the world would have seen her as dead. I mean, incredible things take place and then Jesus, of all people, walks into his hometown and he could not do mighty works there because people didn't accept and believe. Anyone could do or could find themselves in a difficult situation so if you find yourself at home here in a week and a half and you try to conduct yourself in a way that is honoring and glorifying to God and to try to have a hard conversation with someone, know this, if it does not go the way that you would like it to go, if it is a difficult situation, you are not alone. For God is with you. Not only 
do we see the takeaway of difficult can happen to anyone? Also knows that, know this, that when it does get difficult, keep serving Jesus. When it gets hard, don't give up. Keep serving him. Are you going to have hard days in ministry? Everybody do this. Is ministry always easy? Everybody do this. No, it's, they're going to be difficult days. You're going to have trying times. And I'm not talking about a Sunday, like Sunday school class with second and third graders tended to go crazy. If you're in a second and third grade Sunday school class, it's supposed to go crazy. Like that's the definition of crazy. Teaching in second and third grade boys. Doesn't mean you're not all being called to that. Some of you need to do that because some of you can embrace the crazy better than anyone. But if you find yourself in a difficult situation, I mean, to where you're having hard conversations or people are pushing back against the things of God, today might feel defeating, but just go to sleep and tomorrow morning you get a new day. Keep serving Jesus. Don't let the things of this world steal the joy of serving a holy God. Everyone encounters difficult situations and ministry environments. When it gets hard, keep serving Jesus. And finally, know this. Don't let unbelief discourage you. Don't let the unbelief of other people discourage you. Is it okay for it to hurt your heart? Absolutely. But don't let it discourage you to the point to where you're done. You know what I love about this? Look at verse number six. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus, as the son of God, was shocked at the unbelief of the people that he knew. But look what he did at the second part of verse number six. And he went about among the villages teaching. He didn't stop. He didn't reach the point where he went, man, I'm the son of God and people aren't responding to the message. I must be done. I'm just going to wait until whatever's supposed to come next. No, he didn't. He kept going. He didn't let their unbelief keep him down. He continued to carry out the mission that God had set before him. In church, our mission is to make Disciples, it is to mature people as disciples of Christ. It is to see them multiplied for the glory of God. And when we tell people about Jesus and they don't accept Christ as their Savior, yes, please keep telling them about Jesus, but there's a big world out there that needs to hear. Take the message to the next house. I'm not saying knock the dust off your feet when you go to a home and talk to somebody about Christ. Yes, by all means, keep telling them about Jesus, but also move on. Don't get discouraged because there are still more people that need to know. See, because here's one of the interesting things about this passage. When Jesus made this statement, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. I believe that Jesus was lumping part of his family into that. If you think about the different, the other stories in the New Testament that where his family was the initial pushback. His, his family was trying to stand in between him and his mission. Jesus didn't dismiss them forever, but he didn't keep them from carrying out his mission. But the beauty of it all is the very first brother that's mentioned there is who? James. You know what eventually happens of James? 
Well, after Jesus' resurrection, James believes. James begins to follow. And he doesn't just start to follow. As he's following after Jesus, he is leading the New Testament church. James was the, the, the central figure at the first, first Baptist Church of Jerusalem. I'm just kidding. It wasn't First Baptist Church. If you think John the Baptist was the First Baptist, we probably need to talk. No, but he was, the, he was the leader at the Church of Jerusalem. When Paul and Peter had questions about theology, about shoring up what they believed, where did they go? They went to Jerusalem and they petitioned James. They were telling James, hey, listen, why don't you make a ruling on this? Why don't you kind of put a flag in the ground and say, hey, this is what we need to do. And then we'll go out and do that. It was James that was the central figure. And eventually it was James that gave his life for Jesus. See, James was not a believer, but eventually he was. So by all means, when people don't believe, don't let it discourage you in two ways. Don't let it discourage you in that it keeps you from talking to other people. But please, when it comes to those closest to you, don't let it discourage you from continuing to talk to them. Because Jesus can still save. Until the moment their heart quits ticking they can still be covered and transformed by the grace of God. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of Living Love. If this message has impacted you in any way, please let us know. If you would like to contact us, find out more about our church, or if you'd like to support our mission, visit ibcbenton.com. That's ibcbenton.com. Or give us a call at 618-439-3513. That's 618-439-3513.